speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. I am so incredibly tired. I'll just be honest, I'm tired of hearing today's gospel reading quoted by pagans. The portion that says, judge not and you will not be judged. In other words, this portion of scripture, these verses in the Bible, are right up there with John 3.16 and Psalm 23 as one of the most recognized passages in the Bible. And it's quoted often by pagans who have never really gone to church or really study the Bible, but they sure quote this verse. Indeed, pagans seem to quote this verse a lot, and when they do, they say with confidence and they say with boldness, while rarely understanding the true meaning of this verse. So what's going on? Well, quite simply, when pagans shake their fingers at us Christians, saying, judge not, you Christians, judge not, Jesus says judge not, well, they believe that this verse prohibits Christians from judging at all to anyone in any sense. According to their logic, since Jesus is speaking these words to not judge, well, it is a holy attribute of Jesus to not cast a judgment. For them, Jesus never judged sin. He never judged anyone. He was only about gushy love and acceptance. And so, to the point, this verse about not judging is quoted back to us Christians, inferring that judging is sin, that it is sinful to judge. Now, is judging a sin? Well, my friends, I hope not. My goodness, I certainly hope not. If it is a sin to judge, well, then Jesus was full of sin because he certainly judged. Do you remember that time in the Bible where Jesus told a group of people that they were a bunch of hopeless frauds? Right there in the Gospels. 
Remember that time when Jesus accused the Pharisees and the Sadducees of being full of arrogant stupidity? Yes, they're right in the Gospels. Remember that time where Jesus accused others, the religious elite, get this, of being offspring of the devil? Yes, offspring of the devil, children of the devil. Now, if you don't remember, the majority of pagans don't remember either. In fact, pagans have a way of conveniently avoiding the portions of the Bible where Jesus judges, and they also conveniently avoid the other 42 times in the Bible where Jesus talks about the fires of hell, Hades. There's more, though. There's more. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says this, It is certain, yes, it is certainly the Christian's job to judge and deal strongly with those who are members of the church. One more time. It is certainly the Christian's job to judge and deal strongly with those who are members of the church. The Apostle Paul. And the Apostle John, he says in his epistle, he says this, Don't always believe everything you hear just because someone says it is a message of God. Test it. Test it first to see if it really is. For there are many false teachers around. And so, dear friends, contrary to what pagans say, you and I are certainly called to judge. Even though pagans often quote the words of Jesus, to judge not, well, my friends, we need to judge. But how do we make sense of all of this? Especially since Jesus said in our gospel reading, judge not. How do we understand Jesus' words? As is the case with the majority of misapplied verses in the Bible, the context, the verses around it, around the reading of the Gospel of Luke, they help us out tremendously. In a reading from Luke chapter 6, we also heard Jesus say this morning, he said this, Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? In other words, when Jesus tells you and me not to judge, He's actually prohibiting the kind of judging that proceeds from hate and not love. He is forbidding the kind of, get this, the kind of self-righteous, holier-than-thou judging that comes forth from prideful, elevated noses in the air and not from humble hearts of mercy. Jesus is calling out hypocritical judging. He is telling us Listen carefully. He is telling us not to judge others more severely, more severely than we actually judge ourselves. But this is hard, isn't it, dear friends? It really is. You see, each and every one of us, no one is excused from this. We all do this. Let's just be honest. We all do this. We typically like to apply mercy to our failures, but wrath to everyone else's failures. We are Double standard. We are two-faced. We are hypocritical. We give mercy for us and wrath for everyone else. We laugh at our failures, dismissing them as tiny little infractions. Oh, but how we love to talk about everyone else's failures and problems with friends at the local restaurant and also on social media. Truth be told, get this, we are actually sad. We are actually sad when a particular drama is settled in our lives because we worry about running about gossip about others. And this is why we need to hear the Eighth Commandment. It's why the Eighth Commandment speaks into this context of what we're talking about today. 
The Eighth Commandment chimes in on our gospel reading. It says this. The Eighth Commandment says, You shall not give. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And so the Eighth Commandment, it forbids us from overly and overtly, harshly judgmental talk about our neighbor. The Eighth Commandment, it calls us to the absolute best construction on our neighbors. But again, we must keep in mind that the Eighth Commandment is not forbidding us from making a judgment about our neighbor. But instead, it is calling us, it is calling you and it's calling me to explain everything in the kindest way about our neighbor, to be merciful, to be merciful with our words and our judgments. The Eighth Commandment is calling us to not rush to judgment and to not form an opinion about others unfairly or with prejudice, but to assume the best-case scenario in all that they think, say, and do. In a word, we Christians are supposed to be critical. No doubt about it. We are called to be critical because we live in a very complex, a very troubled, and a very hard world. We Christians are not supposed to be naive, dumb, and obtuse. We're to discern what is right. We're to test what is authentically right, to know right from wrong, to know what truth is and what it is not. But again, our criticalness needs to be wrapped in mercy for our neighbor. Mercy does not allow us to be hypercritical. An old theologian has really captured all that we've talked about thus far. He has said it best. And please listen carefully. He says this. When Jesus said, judge not and you will not be judged, he is essentially saying, he's essentially saying this, knock it off. Don't play God or you will set yourself up for others to play God with you. One more time. Knock it off. Don't play God or you will set yourself up for others to play God with you. It's making sense, isn't it? It really is. When we put ourselves in the position of God, we judge everyone else around us thinking that we don't sin. We put them beneath us and we tilt up our noses in the air thinking we're sinless and we judge everyone else around us. But in reality, ah, we sin. We certainly do. And that is why you and I, we are hypocrites. Lord, have mercy on us, on you and me for playing God. See, we really don't have the right to play God, and we certainly look foolish when we do, because we sin much in thought, word, and deed. People see it, even though we might oftentimes do not ourselves. And so, dear friends, when we are critical, we must be critical of ourselves first. We must guard ourselves against wanting mercy for ourselves and wrath for everyone else. We must continually realize that God has shown us mercy, not treating you and me according to how we deserve, which is the same mercy we need to extend to others when they sin, just like us. Baptized saints, if someone falls into sin, you are called to mercy, to mercifully restore them, not with a spirit of vengeance, but with a spirit of redemption, a spirit of rescue, compassion. We're called to apply criticism to ourselves first before we even dare speak critically to others. And then in humility and mercy and dependence upon Jesus, we stoop down and we reach out to those who are trapped and burdened and overwhelmed by sin, and we share those burdens with them. We share those burdens with them. Now, mark this. 
If you think you are too good for all of this, if you think you're too good for all of this, you are deceived. I hate to say it, you are deceived. You do not understand mercy. You do not understand the mercy of Christ. If you cannot see your sin, but you see everyone else's sin around you, you are a prideful, arrogant hypocrite that is divorced from reality. And you need to repent. It's that simple. You and me together, we need to repent. God have mercy on us. See, dear baptized saints, we need to learn to see our sins as immense oak trees and our neighbor's sin as tiny little splinters. We need to learn to aggressively confess our sins and delicately show our neighbor their sins. We need to learn to beat our chest with contrition and gently hold our neighbor's hand in sorrow. Yes, we need to learn to do this because this is what Jesus has done for you and for me too. This is what you have been redeemed into as a Christian. Baptized saints, mark this, hear this loud and clear right now. Your Jesus descended into the waters of the Jordan and was baptized in the baptism of repentance for sins, your sins and mine. Your Jesus ascended to Mount Calvary to die a bloody atoning death at Mount Calvary a death for sin, your sin and mine as well. Your Jesus took what was yours and considered it his. He took what was his so that you might consider it yours. We deserve hell, but he mercifully gives you and me heaven. We are captive to death, but he mercifully gives you and me life. We are poor, we're naked, we're hungry. But he mercifully feeds us, he clothes us, and he gives us blessings. He does all of this because he is merciful. He is to you and to me. He's so merciful to us. He withholds from us what we deserve, and he gives us what we don't deserve. He does this not only to redeem and to forgive and to claim us, but he does this so that we can be some use to our fellow neighbor all by sheer mercy. Mercy, that is the key, my friends, to understanding the whole gospel reading. It's the key to understand that phrase, judge not, lest ye be judged. It is mercy. It is merciful. It's the understanding that Christ is merciful to us. Mercy received by us and mercy given to all. Received and given because of Jesus who is merciful to us. God be praised. Lord have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine.